here where we left off last week in our Hope for Hard Times uh, series as we walk through the book of 1 Peter uh, verse by verse. So uh, follow along with me as I read 1 Peter chapter 2 beginning in verse 11. Peter says this, he says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, these are a group of Christians who have been driven from their homes uh, under Roman oppression and uh, are scattered throughout the Roman Empire. So Peter again is addressing them as friends and says, as exiles, I, I just to urge you, I encourage you to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your souls. And then he says this, he says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Many of you uh, this week have walked through the small group uh, session on submission. How many of you have been in a group where you talked about that this week? Um, the, the group at, uh, that Kim and I lead, a couple's group at our home, walking through this, um, this, this subject on submission and submitting to authority uh, that rises out of the pages of Scripture is always a thorny subject and it, it draws much discussion. Um, but essentially what Peter is saying, as we just read, is uh, that, that, that he wants us to learn to shine like Jesus. Uh, even as we obey and are subject uh, to human authority. It's not a popular command uh, in our day, as we are a fiercely independent people um, like never before. It is a tall order. And yet, in the Scripture, the authority that we have as, as the Holy Spirit uh, inspired Peter to write these words, we have these words directly from God as a command, he says this, he said, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake, don't miss that, to every authority instituted among men, God. whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you as a follower of Christ should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. So again, Peter's calling us to shine the light of Christ in the midst of our suffering, which is a theme through this entire letter. You know, when we hear the call uh, to, to submit, um, to not push back, if you will, uh, on authority, uh, we respond. We, we immediately uh, I, I do. Most most everybody, at least in our culture today, has an an instinctive response to that, and we immediately say, "But God," and then we raise questions like, "Where's the line? What's the limit of my submission to an earthly uh, authority? Where and when can we rightly fight back?" Do, do those questions come into your minds? Absolutely. When is it just to disobey an earthly authority and even rebel against an earthly authority? Now, remember the context here that we have covered up to this point. 
Peter is writing to Christians who are being persecuted in a way. Specifically, this is the beginning of the persecution of Emperor Nero, which was just sadistic. Uh, towards Christians. They are experiencing a persecution that we can only imagine. We can't even imagine today. And yet he is telling these believers to submit to every authority instituted among men. My gracious. Peter walks us through this call to submission in three different relationships uh, in, in this passage. Submission first to civil authorities, citizen and the civil authorities. Submission in the master-slave relationship, which we have very little context for uh, today, but which was uh, common in the first century context. And then finally, submission in the husband and wife relationship, in the context of marriage. You know, if you're like me, if you're like most people today, just the word submit carries with it a negative connotation. Uh, I've seen that uh, change over the years. I've performed a lot of weddings over the last 25 years, and probably for the first 15 years or so, um, the, the word submit um, was part of, you know, just a regular part of, of walking couples through that marriage ceremony. In the last 10 years or so, I would say 9 out of 10 couples want that word out of their wedding ceremony. Even though in Ephesians, Paul tells us that in that context, it is a mutual submission, husband and wife, not just moving in one direction. But that word carries with it a negative connotation. We think of being controlled. We think of weakness. We think if you're an MMA fan of being rendered helpless and losing the fight by submission. Submission is something we naturally avoid. We like and we want to be in control as human beings. We want to be strong. We want to be independent. We want to be our own person. And so submitting to authority runs entirely against our grain. It begins early. How many of you have had a two-year-old? How many of you have had a teenager? And then it keeps on moving through and on into adulthood. You can feel this this whole idea moving against the grain, against our grain. As, as I again read Peter's words, he says, Submit yourselves to every human authority. Honor the king. Well, what if I didn't vote for the king? Honor the king. Remember, in this context, they didn't even get a vote. They just got Nero. And then he says, slaves, submit yourselves to your masters. Not just the good ones, he said, but even the harsh ones who treat you horribly. Where's the line? And he says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Remember the context here. I can't help but notice that Peter lumps husbands here in with dictators and slave masters. But rightly so. When we go back to the first century, 
In the Roman world, most women had no rights. They were treated as property. And it wasn't until Christianity began, came in and began to transform culture that women had a voice, that women were able to be cared for by the church and not have to marry just to be cared for. Christianity and the gospel transformed culture as a whole, including the rights of women. And the Greek word here in this context that Peter is using, uh, the Greek word for submission is the word hupatasso. Hupatasso. And that means in a military context, now hear me, in a military context, that means to arrange under or be subordinate to. And we can see that in the military chain of command. And that's what we push back on. But that word is used in two different contexts in the Scripture. And in the context that, that Peter is using it here, it's a non-military context. And it literally means a voluntary attitude of cooperation. Okay, That's different than just being subordinate to. That I, God is calling us to a voluntary, even joyful attitude of cooperation with earthly authorities. And so what God is saying here through Peter is this. In these relationships of authority, we have a choice. And when we have a choice, we are empowered in that relationship. We can be subordinate to, we can be subject to, or we can choose to have an attitude of cooperation in that relationship. To respond not in kind, but to respond in kindness. So that, as Peter said, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. He calls us to shine in submission. It goes against our grain. This entire passage is prefaced, remember, with these words. Why are we doing this? For the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. Not for our own sake. Not for the sake of those who are over us, if you will, in a position of authority. Submission is a decision to honor Jesus regardless of our circumstances. To respond not in kind, again, but in kindness. And it is possible only through surrender. Surrender not to the earthly authority, but surrender to the ultimate authority, God himself. We will not submit to earthly authority, whether it is in the civil arena, whether it's in the marriage arena. Um, We don't experience the slave master arena in our culture Um, these days. uh, There's some of that uh, remaining, but typically in our daily lives we don't experience that. But we will not submit in those relationships unless we surrender to the ultimate authority in that is God himself. As Peter puts it in verse 18, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves. Not in fear of the authority, but in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves. And he says this, 
To this you were called. Man, if you stepped over the line and by faith have invited Jesus Christ into your life and received the forgiveness that only He can provide through His work on the cross, then He's talking to you. He says, to this you, we were called as Christians because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. And then he goes on to remind us that Jesus committed no sin. There was no deceit found in his mouth. And when they hurled insults at him, the authorities, he did not retaliate. And when he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. God, I don't understand why I've got to be in this situation. Might be at work. (laughs) Might be a tough boss. Might be at home. Might be a tough marriage. God, I don't understand why I've got to go through this. You know, Jesus asked God those exact same questions. If you'll remember, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus was, was moving toward ultimately the cross, And taking upon himself the sin of the world, your sin and my sin. He's struggling in the garden and he hits his knees and he's struggling there with submission. He's struggling with submitting to the earthly authority who will soon come and get him. Because he he knew where this was going to go. He knew what that authority was about to subject him to. And yet he says, yet not my will, but what? Yours be done. So God calls Jesus to submit to the authority. His Father calls him to submit to the authority. But first, before he could submit to the authority, he had to fully surrender himself to the ultimate authority. We will never submit to earthly authority until we are fully surrendered To heavenly authority. And when we're put upon. When we are treated unfairly. And some of you may be in that position this morning. In a relationship of authority. Our default response is to push back. Our default response is to get angry. And it is to respond in kind. The humanity of Jesus wanted to do that so badly in the garden that he sweat blood in anguish over it. How much more so are we going to anguish over submitting ourselves to earthly authority? And yet, Jesus surrendered to his Father's will and submitted. He responded not in kind. Mm, he could have brought a legion of angels down at his beck and call. He responded not in kind, but in kindness and submission. Paul put it this way in the Kenosis passage in Philippians 2. He said, And being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself. He made himself nothing and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The ultimate submission to earthly authority. And then Paul goes on to say this, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, 
that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The ultimate result of surrendering to the ultimate authority, exaltation. Earthly submission flows from heavenly surrender. And in God's economy, that ultimately leads to victory. The last will be first, and the first will be last. But it goes against our grain. Man, learning and living this truth was a process for Peter. And it's a process for us. Remember Peter. Remember who is writing these words right here. Remember when he was called as a fisherman by Jesus. And Jesus comes along and says, follow me. And Peter drops his net and follows him. Remember that Peter. Peter was a rough guy, man. He was the bouncer of the bunch. He was quick-tempered, impetuous. He was ready to fight as a moment's notice. He was impulsive. He was subject to no one. How did that Peter become the Peter who wrote these words on submission? In John chapter 18, just after Jesus swept those drops of blood and surrendered to the Father in the garden... If you'll remember, Judas shows up with the authorities and with the soldiers and they they arrest Jesus. Jesus, knowing that they were coming, he submits to their authority and he surrenders essentially to them. He acknowledges who he is as Judas, Judas kisses that cheek. What did Peter do? Peter pulled a sword immediately and he chops off the ear of one of the soldiers, Malthus. He responds automatically with anger, pushing back to respond in kind to what's going on. And then what does Jesus do? He picks that ear up off the ground and he places it on Malthus's head and he restores him and he heals them. And he tells Peter, Peter, if you're going to live by the sword, what? You're going to die by the sword. And then what does Peter do as Jesus is arrested? He goes from one extreme to the other. This is a journey for Peter. It's a journey for us. He goes from standing up for Jesus and violently refusing to submit to the authority to cowering in fear of the authority, denying three times that he even knew Jesus. All this within an hour. It's fascinating. Two extremes that I believe we still see today among Christians. Which one of those extremes do you lean closer toward? Do you tend to meet force with force to protect Jesus' name? Or are you more prone to hide the fact that you're a follower if you feel pressure from those in authority? Neither is the biblical way. 
Neither is the biblical way. Peter then watches from afar as Jesus submits in obedience to God's will. He sees Jesus beaten. He sees him verbally abused. He ultimately sees him put to death on the cross. He hears Jesus' words from the cross. His dying words. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And he watches as Jesus' body is taken off the cross, as it is placed in a tomb, and as, as a stone seals that tomb. And then three days later, Peter is called to that tomb, and he steps in that same tomb only to find the grave closed, to find it empty, to find that Jesus has risen. Several days later, he encounters the risen Jesus. And he is restored by Jesus. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times in restoring the three denials. And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love me. But Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me above all else without condition? And Jesus, upon asking that question, looks Peter in the eye. And Peter declares his love for Jesus above all others. Jesus becomes Peter's Lord. His Lord and His Master that no human authority can replace. And then Jesus says this to Peter. He says, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. To the place of submission. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Peter, tradition has it, was crucified upside down by Nero. And then Jesus said to Peter, follow me. And something changed right there for Peter. His allegiance to Jesus became his ultimate priority. Jesus became his Lord. And no earthly authority could take that place. Let me ask you something this morning. This is the crux of obeying earthly authority. We will only obey earthly authority if Jesus Christ holds the ultimate position in our life. As Lord and Master. And we understand that there is no way that that authority could ever take that place. Has Jesus become your Lord? Not just your Savior. But has He become your Lord? Is He the Master of your life? That's what's happening here. With Peter, that's how this change occurs. I say all that to say this, that we will never understand earthly submission until we fully 
surrender our lives to Jesus, we will constantly push back in every relationship of authority until Jesus truly becomes our Lord and our Master. As we follow Peter from that place, we find that Peter actually does have a line. When you ask the question, God, where's the limit? When do I push back? As we continue to follow Peter, we see that he does have a line. He does get to that point where he fights back and pushes back. And it is the same line that Jesus had. He says, use Jesus as your example on this. What was Jesus' line? Jesus would not deny who he was. He would never deny who he was, even to save his own life. And Peter would never again deny Christ to save his. In Acts chapter 5, after Peter preaches the sermon at Pentecost, Jesus is, is seated at the right hand of the Father. He has sent the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower those believers. Peter goes out at Pentecost. He preaches that first sermon of the risen Christ. 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus that day. And the church is born. Peter is then jailed with, with the other apostles. God miraculously moves them out of that jail and they continue preaching and then they are arrested again. This time, no sword comes out. Something's changed in Peter. He's taken before the same Sanhedrin that Jesus was dragged before and he is told not to teach in Jesus' name or to preach the resurrection It is here that Peter draws the line on submitting to earthly authority. And he and the other apostles draw the line with these words. He says, we must obey God rather than men. And then he goes on to say, the God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And as followers of Christ, we must never allow an earthly authority to silence our witness. That's the line. That's the line Peter drew. And that's ultimately the line he gave his life refusing to cross. You know, there's all kind of gray areas in the midst of this. How do we respond? How do we push back in a way that honors God and what have you? And and, and I believe it is the Holy Spirit living in each believer that uniquely and individually whispers to us when it is time to push back in certain ways in certain arenas. We all have unique lives to live. But the broader principle that we are absolutely clear on is this principle through the Scriptures that as followers of Christ, we must never allow an earthly authority to silence our witness. Even at the cost of our own lives? That is Jesus' example. And that is the example of Peter. 
and every apostle and disciple that was with Jesus. So, yes. Yes. As we allow that to to settle, I want to close with Peter's challenge to us all in the context of this, in the context of fully surrendering our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, because this will never happen if we are unwilling to surrender fully to Him. But Peter says this, In that place, man, I want you to live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, though they do wrong to you, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Let's pray. Father, throughout this entire book, you call us to die to ourselves. Lord, to surrender fully to you. To pick up our cross, Lord Jesus, and follow you. And and Lord, this is where the rubber meets the road. When we are pressed, when we are treated unfairly, when we have an unjust authority over us, Lord, how do we respond? Do we respond in kind? Lord, do we respond as Christ responded? And the Scripture is clear, Lord. We know that that we see exceptions to this throughout history, Lord. And Your Spirit within us whispers to us when it is time for us to rise up, even as surrendered souls to You, and to push back, Lord. But we know that as your children, we are called never to release our witness, our witness of the risen Christ. Lord, we thank you that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You give us far more than we could possibly do in our flesh alone. And Lord, you promise us, (laughs) as we see in Jesus, ultimate victory. And we thank you that Jesus has gone before us And that He is the forerunner. He is the example of what submission looks like and ultimately what surrender to You looks like. We pray this prayer in His name. Amen.